So several snows ago, I, I, I think maybe three or four, I've kind of lost count, uh, I was snow blowing my driveway and the, the pile was a little bit too big and so it like stopped my snowblower. And so I went to pull the cord to start it back up and the cord snapped. And immediately just frustration filled my heart. And so I kind of took the handle, I turned it and I just threw it. And it landed on top of my garage and it's still sitting there, I'm pretty sure. It was one of those moments where I'm like, I do not want to be snowblowing right now. I think it was like a Wednesday, and so it was the, it was the morning. I had a lot to do. It's like, this is like the 15th time I've had to snowblow this winter. I do not want to be doing this, and now it's going to take me a lot longer because now I have to shovel. So about 30 minutes later, I'm shoveling my, my driveway, and we have a pretty wide driveway, so it, it takes a little while, and there has some snow had been packed like on the driveway, and so I'm like taking my shovel and like hitting it, and all of a sudden, boom, my shovel just shatters. And immediately, I, I just like grab my shovel, and I go, are you kidding me? And one of my neighbors is walking by, walking her dogs, and I kind of sheepishly smile at her, and she goes, another Nebraska winter strikes again. Like, Yes. So, yes, the winter has been difficult, right? Are we tired of it? Yes. But that is an interesting sort of moment, snapshot, because the circumstance of snow and inconvenience exposed my heart, exposed my anger, exposed my frustration. I didn't want to have to be doing that. I was entitled to have my day go exactly how I was planning it. And I had so, much, so many other things to do that I had to get to that I, I didn't need to be there. And so this sense of entitlement and frustration started coming out of my heart. And we can laugh about it because in some ways it was pretty pathetic. If you had seen there, you'd been like, Chris, not your finest moment. But let's not gloss over that dynamic. That, that circumstance, that struggle, that inconvenience exposed things going on in my heart. And so I wonder, what is it for you? What kind of circumstances can really expose what's in your heart, can really cause your heart and all of its darkness, all of its sort of the things you like to keep hidden from people to come flooding out in a moment of clarity, in a moment of honesty? In our passage this morning... The disciples get exposed. So whether during boat rides or during the world's largest picnic, Jesus regularly leads his disciples into situations of difficulty, danger, and discomfort. And these circumstances throw back the curtain of the disciples' hearts and expose the fear and the selfishness and the pride and lack of faith that's present. But is Jesus just exposing his disciples to kind of go, hey, look how selfish you are. Look how much faith you don't have. No, he's, something, he's up to something far greater, far greater than the exposures the disciples experience is the revelation of who Jesus is in the moment. You see, Jesus exposes his disciples not only to show them what's in their heart, but also to reveal who he truly is in order to transform them and redeem them and rescue them. And so Jesus wants to put on display revelation of who he is in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of the things coming out of our heart that sometimes we want to keep buried. 
And so that's what I want us to look at this morning, because the same is true for us. In the midst of painful and difficult circumstances, Jesus isn't after just exposing what's in your heart just for the sake of exposure. No, he wants to reveal himself to you and redeem and rescue and transform you. So these two points we're going to focus on this morning. First, looking at hearts exposed. We're going to allow God's word to expose our hearts a bit this morning. And then we are going to see Jesus revealed. We're going to get a glimpse of who Jesus is in all his glory. So let's first take some time allowing God's word to expose our hearts by looking at the disciples. So the first set of circumstances that we read about occur on a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee. Now, I'm not much of a fan of boats. I had some friends that uh, I grew up with that had boats, and so sometimes we go out on the Missouri River or up to Lake Okoboji, if you've ever been there. And when I would go on boats, it, I, a little motion sickness, but more often I'd get bloody noses. So I'm not really a big fan of boat rides. But maybe you like boat rides. Maybe you love boat rides so much you're like Chuck Hutchinson, he joined the Navy. But whatever, wherever you are with boat rides, riding a boat was pretty common for people in Israel. It was a common form of transportation. And so Jesus and the disciples are traveling across the Sea of Galilee. And during their journey, a storm comes up. And this storm is so bad that the boat begins taking on water and the disciples are freaking out. They think they're going to sink. Now remember, at least four of these guys were professional fishermen. They had been in storms. They had endured weather. And so if they're freaking out, it means the storm is probably pretty bad. And so restless and anxious and worried, they go looking for Jesus. And where do they find him? Sleeping in the stern. I mean, the disciples are freaking out that their very lives could be in danger, and Jesus is asleep on the couch. And, and just for a moment, this is a really cool picture of the humanity of Jesus, because if you read before this encounter, they had had a long day of ministry, and Jesus is exhausted. And so he's sleeping. He's taking a break. I mean, he's so exhausted that he's sleeping through a storm. This is this really cool little insight into the fact that Jesus truly was human. And so they see Jesus sleeping on the couch and they cannot believe that this is what he's doing. And so they cry out and start slinging accusations at Jesus. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I mean, this is laying it on thick. Jesus, how can you sleep at a time like this? Do you even care that we're in danger? See, Jesus didn't respond how they thought he should or how they wanted him to. And so instead of trusting in his care and his goodness and his power, they start making accusations. They start questioning him, doubting him. And hear the deeper fear under their question. Jesus, we followed you. We walked away from our jobs, from our families, from life as we knew it to follow you, and you've led us to this to potentially die out on the sea in this boat? You've led us to this danger, to these circumstances. Why would you do that? Why, when we followed you, would you lead us here? And right in that moment, the disciples are exposed. You know, the admittedly stressful circumstances of a storm. I mean, that's legit stress there. These circumstances pull back the curtain and reveal the disciples' heart. They really don't trust Jesus. In that moment, they're exposed. They really do not trust Jesus. Their hearts are full of fear, not faith. 
Their, their fear interprets that Jesus' inaction means he's indifferent. The fear in their heart causes them to despair and to doubt the love and care and goodness of Jesus. See, the fear in the disciples' hearts would even lead them to be blind to Jesus coming to them in the midst of their circumstances. Later in Mark 6, we read that Jesus, after they had done ministry in the area, sends his disciples ahead of him to go back, and he puts them back on a boat while he goes up on a mountain and prays. And during the boat ride back, the disciples are kind of slowed down by a windstorm. Not, not a terrible storm like before, but they're being slowed down. And Jesus sees them from shore, and so he decides to go to them in the midst of that windstorm, and he's walking across the water. And instead of being amazed at the power of Jesus, here's how the disciples respond. When they saw him walking out on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. Fear. Jesus puts on this amazing display of his power and they respond in fear. Now let's be fair for just a second. It's not every day you see a human being walking on water. If you and I were out on a boat and we saw someone walking on water, what would we do? We'd pull out our phones, we'd record that, slap it on Twitter and Facebook and it'd be trending nationally, worldwide in like an hour. We're not used to seeing things like that. Also, the folk religion of the day taught that ghosts and evil spirits lived on the water. And so that's why they think they're seeing a ghost, because they've been influenced by this teaching. But don't miss what's happening here. They're blinded to Jesus coming to them in the midst of their circumstances. Their fear had so overtaken them. Here was Jesus, his power and his presence coming to them, and they miss it. They're blinded to it. And I wonder, does the fear of the disciples resonate with you? Do you see your fear in their fear? Do, do you hear your cries in their cries? Jesus, I, I followed you. I, I gave you my life. Why are you leading me into this? Jesus, do you not care that my health is a wreck. Jesus, do you care that, that my emotional state and my mind feels like it is broken beyond repair? Jesus, do you, do you care about the conflict and pain in my marriage? Jesus, do you care that my kids are on the brink of rebellion? Jesus, do you care that my job is stressful and it feels like it's going to kill me? Jesus, do you care that I'm lonely? Over and over, have, have you cried out asking, Jesus, where are you? Why would you lead me into these circumstances? Jesus, do you care that I'm in this pain? How are the circumstances of your life exposing what's in your heart? Exposing that there's fear there and not faith. Exposing that you, their fear that interprets that Jesus in action, you interpret as indifference. Exposing fear that causes you to despair and doubt the love and care and goodness of Jesus. How, how are circumstances exposing that you're blind to the fact that Jesus is powerfully present in the midst of your circumstances? Now, let, let, me, let me press here a little bit, just lovingly. 
consider the decisions that you make regarding your finances or regarding your, your marriage or regarding your parenting or regarding your job or regarding any other type of relationship. To what degree are those decisions made out of fear? To, to what degree do you make decisions based on, I have to keep X from happening? To, to what degree do you try to control your circumstances? Do you know what happens when we live this way, church? Do you know what happens when we allow our fear to control us in that way? We become blind to Jesus present in our life. We become blind to the fact that his power is right there available to us. We become blind to the fact that his love and his care are right next to us. He hasn't abandoned us. He's not indifferent. He's not inactive. How often do you tell yourself that you have to protect and control your circumstances because if you don't, all these bad things are gonna come flooding in. Or how often do you tell yourself that if it weren't for these circumstances, I wouldn't be a fearful person. If it weren't for these circumstances, I would be so much better off, I'd be a better person, life would be just be better, but, but these circumstances are making me a miserable wretch. But what the gospel of Mark reveals to us is that circumstances don't create fear, they expose fear. Our fear is present. The circumstances are just pulling it out of us to show us we don't trust Jesus. We're driven by fear and not faith. And the fear and the selfishness of the disciples gets further exposed in Mark 6 in this famous account of the feeding of the 5,000. So let's set the stage a little bit here. In Mark 6.30, we read this. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. So here's what's happening. So Jesus had sent his disciples out to go and do ministry, preach the gospel and do ministry. And after a number of days of hard work, they had come back and they reported to Jesus all that had happened. But there were still a lot of people coming and going and interacting with Jesus and the disciples. And so they can't even get away to, to have a lunch break and debrief with Jesus. So he's like, hey, let's go again get in a boat and let's go and get away to a desolate place so we can have a lunch meeting and, and debrief about what happened. So they get in a boat and they start traveling, but the people see where they're going and they sort of anticipate where they're going to get off. And so people come flooding out of the towns and the surrounding area and they meet Jesus and the disciples when they come ashore. Talk about your plans being ruined. You're trying to get away from people and all of a sudden there's a crowd of over 5,000 waiting for you. But when Jesus gets off the boat... He looks at them and he has compassion on them. He, it says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were listless, aimless, wandering, probably vulnerable to people who would use them. And he has compassion on them. So he sits down and he begins to teach them much needed life-giving truth. He begins to minister to them. And as the day wears on, the disciples recognize, hey, these people are gonna need to go and get something to eat. And so they say, hey, Jesus, you need to send them away so they can go get a meal in town. And Jesus responds by saying, you give them something to eat. Don't make them depend upon themselves. You give them something to eat. Now, put yourself in the place of the disciples here. They are tired and worn out. The break that they thought they were gonna get, they didn't get. They're hungry. 
They, they have limited resources. They just want to get some time with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I want you to feed them. And in that moment of frustration, in that moment of anxiety and angst, they cry out in exasperation, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus, how do you expect us to feed them? Are we supposed to go buy almost a year's salary worth of bread and feed them? Jesus, it's far too much. We can't do this. We don't have the resources and the means. Tell them to go take care of themselves. Once again, disciples are exposed. They don't trust Jesus. Their eyes are locked on their circumstances. They, They see the crowds. They see that this is way too much for them. They put their hope in their own capacity and their own strength and their own resources. And so they're crying out in exasperation. We don't have what it takes. This is too much. And when their circumstances are overwhelming and their own capacity is limited, the response is selfishness, it's despair, it's frustration. Jesus had compassion on this crowd. He wanted to gather them near, but the disciples in their selfishness and frustration wanted to disperse the people and send them on their way and leave them on their own. And so again, I wonder, does the fear and frustration and desperation of the disciples resonate with you? Does this response ever mirror your own heart when you think about having to minister and care for and love and serve other people? Jesus, I know you've called me to make disciples. I know you've called me to love and serve others. But what do you expect of me? Like, I barely have enough time just to get through my day as it is. I really don't have the knowledge and the resources. I'm running at full capacity. I've got nothing left in the tank. Like I am worn out as it is. And in the people that you've called me to, look, they're difficult, they're messy, they're aimless, they're listless, they're hard to lead. And on top of that, look, I'm too broken and sinful and my baggage and my junk feels way too overwhelming. How am I supposed to help other people? Our circumstances related to ministering and loving others, exposing your heart. Can I be honest and vulnerable with you guys about what this looks like in my head, in my heart? Here, here, here's what things go on in my mind with the Lord. You want me to do what? Another one of these situations? I really love sleep. I mean, there's only 24 hours in the day. How am I supposed to handle this situation when I have this situation over here going, Lord? I think people just want to use me. They don't really want my help. When things go difficult, people are just going to leave. When things don't go the way that they want them, they're just going to bail. And God, sometimes the sin and baggage that I'm dealing with feels so overwhelming, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to pastor others. I just would rather you let me just preach or just let me do the fun things of pastoring. I'm going to be honest. That battle goes on in my heart and my mind weekly. 
And what happens is I can lose my compassion. I, I can lose my focus that Jesus is glorious and lose sight of what Jesus has called me into. And look, I don't want anybody, any of you to feel guilty when I say this. I don't want any of you to have to come up and apologize. Sorry, Chris, for being so difficult. I'm not looking for your apology. All of that stuff is about the, the sin and fear in my heart. It's not about you. I love you guys. It is a privilege to be your pastor. But, but I, I just want to be honest that I'm with you in this. I, I struggle with these doubts. I struggle with these fears too. How do circumstances expose you? How are circumstances with other people exposing the fear in your heart? Exposing the selfishness or the despair or the frustration? Exposing that you don't trust Jesus and his power and his presence in your life? Exposing that your eyes are probably locked on your circumstances and that your hope is in your own capacity and your own power? How often do you avoid risk or avoid stepping out in faith to serve in newer and deeper ways. And Jesus had compassion on the aimless and the lost and the listless and the weak. He wants to gather them near. Is that your heart and my heart? Or do circumstances and pain and frustration expose that we would rather send people away and leave them on their own? God's words want to do some work this morning. It's, it's, it's cutting deep here. And I just want you to just right now, whatever, whatever's going on in your heart right now, just recognize that Jesus wants to expose your fear and expose your heart. And so just let him. But we do not need to despair. This doesn't mean that we're left in despair. Just as with the disciples, Jesus' point isn't to just expose us so we can wallow in our sin and look at how terrible we are. Far greater than the exposure is the revelation. Far greater than our hearts being exposed is Jesus revealing who he is in all his glory. And that's our hope, church. That's the hope that the disciples had, and this is our hope. And the very place that Jesus exposes our hearts is the very place that he reveals his glory to us. Look, in the midst of that terrible storm, Jesus rises and displays his sovereign power. Peace, be still, he says to the storm, and shows his power over nature and the wind and the waves. Look, few things expose just how powerless we are than the the nature and the weather. Like, we can control a lot of things, but we're utterly helpless to control the weather and nature. Like, our most advanced satellite and technology can barely even predict the weather. And yet Jesus controls the very wind and the waves. Jesus controls the most unpredictable and the most uncontrollable forces. Look, it isn't the forces of nature that ultimately determine if and when a storm is. Jesus does. And so when Jesus steps forward and declares, peace be still, here's what he's saying to the disciples. This storm doesn't have you. I have you. Friends, your circumstances are not too big for Jesus. Your circumstances are not too big, too messy, too powerful. He is sovereignly in control. 
Jesus is controlling your circumstances. Do you believe that? Friends, your circumstances don't have you. Hear me. Jesus has you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus controls your circumstances and does that allow you to be able to endure the challenges and the pain and the hardship with hope? Is your soul able to rest knowing that Jesus is sovereignly powerful over all things? Look, when Jesus declared peace be still, he wasn't just talking to the storm. Are you able to trust Jesus in the midst of your circumstances that allows you to let go of the control that you so want to wrangle for? Are you able to release those things that you can't control and trust Jesus, that he is good and he is loving and he is powerful? Look, friends, circumstances are hard. I'm not, gonna, I'm not telling you to minimize the challenges that you face in your marriage or in your parenting or in your job or in the midst of your finances or relationally. I'm not telling you to minimize those. But in the midst of those circumstances, when our fear is exposed, here's what Jesus declares to us. Do not fear. Do not fear your circumstances concerning your work or your finances or your marriage or your parenting or your relationships or your health will overtake, overwhelm, and defeat you. I am sovereignly in control of even the most unpredictable and uncontrollable circumstances. My power is greater than any force of nature or force of man. Peace. Be still. Don't exhaust yourself trying to control your circumstances out of fear of what could happen. Let your soul find rest. Even if it seems, even if it feels the storm is going to overtake you and you're going to sink, know that that storm is not more powerful than me. For all its fury and power, it is not more powerful than me. Jesus says, yes, I could instantly change the circumstances of your work or your finances or your health. I could change what's going on in your marriage. I could change the circumstances. I could change the data that is happening around you. But even if I don't directly change the circumstances, I am not indifferent or inactive. I am doing something greater than just changing circumstances. I'm changing you. I am powerfully and sovereignly transforming you from a heart bound by fear to a heart set free in faith, to to a heart enslaved to circumstances, to a heart that is set free and can stand in the midst of any circumstance, From, from a heart that is exhausted and tired from trying to control every little thing out of fear, to a heart that is set free and can rest in dependence upon the Lord. From a heart that is consumed by the cares of this world to his heart that is set free to chase after the kingdom of God. Church, that is the power of Jesus. That is what Jesus reveals to us that we may be transformed. Let us put our faith in his sovereign power and be transformed. And Jesus also reveals himself in the midst of our selfishness and depending upon our own strength so that we would depend upon his power as we love and serve others. See, after the disciples 
despaired at their lack of resources and feeding the 5,000 plus people, Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish, and this is what he does. Taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave it to them to the, gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. Everybody gets fed from these five fish, or five loaves and two fish. And not just a few little bites. Everyone is satisfied. They're full. They feasted. In feeding all of these people, Jesus is calling to mind another passage from Scripture. He's calling to mind the passage when Moses fed the people in the wilderness. When the nation of Israel was traveling through the wilderness, they cried out to God for provision. Moses prayed to the Lord, and the Lord provided bread from heaven. But Jesus is not just a second Moses here. Jesus is a far greater Moses, because Moses had to ask God to provide. Jesus provides out of his own power and his own authority. Jesus gives from himself, because he is the provider. Jesus feeds, and Jesus nourishes, and Jesus sustains, and Jesus satisfies, and he does it in abundance. Like when Jesus fed the crowd, he fed them with more than enough. Like he took something that wasn't enough and he made it more than enough because there were 12 baskets led, left over. Like everybody was full and there was more. So Jesus feeds in abundance. He provides in abundance. And so there's this incredible declaration of rebuke to the disciples, but also an incredible declaration of hope. And multiplying the bread and fish, Jesus declares this. Don't let your fear cause you to lose your compassion. Don't let your fear cause you to retreat from the people I have called you to serve. When I told you to feed them, I wasn't telling you to depend upon your limited resources, but my abundant resources. When I told you to give them something to eat, I was asking you to bring your limited resources, bring what you have and let me multiply it. Let me empower it. I am your supply and I am their supply. So church, this mission Jesus called us to, to love and serve others, to make disciples, it's hard work. We're not gonna sugarcoat that. It's hard work. Jesus calls us into some dark and challenging places. Following Jesus in your job and in your marriage, and in your relationships, and in your parenting, is hard work. Loving people who are aimless, and listless, and lost, and stubborn, and foolish, and trapped in sin, whoever they are, is hard work. But in the midst of those hard circumstances, when our fear is exposed, Jesus reveals himself and declares to us, don't let your fear cause you to lose your compassion. Don't let your fear and your lack of resources lead you to walk away from people, lead you to avoid risk, lead you to avoid loving and serving. When I call you to love, when I call you to serve, when I cause you to disciple, I'm not asking you to depend upon your limited resources, but my abundant resources. Bring what you have and let me multiply it. Bring what you have and let me empower it. In the midst of your circumstances, do not fear your sin because I am your supply. I gave my life. I bought you with my blood. I atone for every sin. The debt is paid as we sang this morning. You are loved. You are accepted. Do not let the guilt 
hold you back. Do not let guilt weigh you down. Never think that you are too sinful to serve because Jesus has set you free. Ah, Jesus declares to us, do not fear your limitation and brokenness. I am your supply. I pour out my spirit upon you. I empower your words, your good deeds. I give you strength and I sustain you even when you lack knowledge, even when you lack resources, even when you lack wisdom, even in your limitations, even in your weakness. I empower, I bring abundance. Oh, even in the simple words, even in the simple acts of love, even in the smallest acts of discipleship, Jesus is working and he works abundance. Do you believe that? Oh, when, when Jesus exposes your fear, do you see that he is your supply? And does that cause you to respond in faith? Oh, we need not fear the sin and brokenness of others. Jesus is their supply. His power, his wisdom, his gospel is sufficient for their needs. Feed them Jesus. Give them Jesus. Point them to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Teach them to trust in Jesus' truth and Jesus' spirit. Church, let's not be afraid. He is our supply, and he's their supply. So in closing, where is Jesus exposing your fear? How is he exposing fear in the midst of your circumstances, whether it be in marriage or parenting or relationships or job or finances or your health? When he exposes you, when he reveals what's in your heart, do not despair. Do not retreat back. Do not lose compassion. And do not harden your heart by grabbing for more control and diving further into your fear. No. Look what he has revealed to you. Look at what he has put on display. Look at what he has shown you who he is. Sovereignly powerful and good. Compassionate. Who gives abundant provision and gives kingdom promises to you. When your fear is exposed, starve it out by feasting on Jesus. Starve it out by feasting on Jesus in his word and in prayer. Feast on Jesus in worship. When your fear is exposed in your actions, be quick to confess. Bring it into the light ask, what does it mean to trust Jesus in the midst of my circumstances? Then look at the greatness of Jesus and what he has revealed to you. Hold tight to his promises, turn from your fear, and follow him in obedience and faith. Because in light of who Jesus is, we don't have reason to fear. In light of who Jesus is, we have no reason to be selfish and fall back into despair. Let us love deeply let us trust hopefully and let us risk greatly so that Jesus is glorified and that we experience the deep transformation that he wants to bring and that the kingdom of God advances and disciples are made in our city. Amen.